share this. I could, I could do it in a lot of ways, but I'm going to do it as a relation to God. And um, the beauty uh, of, uh, of that is, you know, in, in our hardships and our struggles and everything we go through, it's not like he's somewhere uh, in space or something. He's, he's, he's carrying you with him. He's always there. And um, I, I got to say, you know, like I had a lot going on the last time we met. Thank <laughs> you. 
I'm going to do it with this context because it, it holds that value. Um, I'll start with the beginning of it. Uh, I rejoice greatly in the Lord at last that you have renewed your concerns for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, but because I have learned to be to be content in whatever circumstance. I know the, what, <laughs> what it is to be in need, and what it, it, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of the situation, whether uh, fed or hungry, whether living plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. on you, and, and they would see that it's already solved. See your finished work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands all over this place. Oh, God, you're a God of relationship. You're a God of love and relationship. All you long for is to know us and for us to know you. so that we can know who you are, God. How many are in love with that God? How many are in love with that God who wants to know you, who took every precaution, every step to come and see you, to come and meet you? If you love that God, come on, let's meet him today. Let's meet him here today in his presence. Come to the altar right now. Let's meet him here in his presence. Come. Come from your seat. Come. Let's meet him here in his presence.
warmed up here. Come on, just stretch out. Come on, just give yourself some room because you're about to act like a crazy person. All right. How about that house beat? Isn't that awesome? Y'all know you used to hear that at the club. You used to act crazy. All right. You acted a fool out there. I'm not looking at particular people, but you used to act a fool at the club. You heard that house beat. You're like, oh, yeah my song. Well, you have a new song. <laughs> and you will sing a new song and you're going to dance a crazy dance right now. Are you ready? Oh, I got two people ready. I said, are you ready? Because you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love never ends. Come on, go! You are You're alive. You are alive in us. Nothing can I see you dancing. Come on. Come on. Go. Go. You are all Your love has set us free. Because you are. Because you are. You are. You are. We left you higher.
Cause you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love never. Come on, everybody, go! You are alive. Nothing can stay your place. Everyone in Christ is a victor. <laughs> Everyone in Christ is more than a conqueror. <laughs> Whoa, who's in Christ today? Who's in Christ today? Who is certain of this fact? Who is certain that you're more than a conqueror? That you're above and not beneath? That you're seated in heavenly places right now? That you are a co-heir. Come on, somebody get excited. That you are a co-heir with Christ right now. That you've been given everything you need for life and godliness.
on, lift up your hands and sing this.
Someone's got a word, just pour it out, just sing it out. Sing it out right now. love your record has been wiped clean he keeps no record of your wrongs <laughs> the blood the blood that keeps me safe from day to day it will never lose its power God, you are the ultimate source of knowledge. We depend on you. We depend on you. Without you, we know nothing. And you have known us, and you've made yourself known to us. And we worship you, God. We worship you, Lord. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is all your eyes on him right now. Fix your eyes on him. You came to meet with him, didn't you? <laughs> Fix your eyes on him right now. Whoa. Because heaven is all around us. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is Heaven surrounds you right now with its presence. In heaven. Come on, heaven is a person. His name is Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. I see your goodness in the land of the living. I see your goodness in the land of the living. Woo! 
that's going to encourage us to be more like him. So once again, if you're figuring out different ways, I want to encourage you to try Jesus and call on the name of Jesus. If you think it's just about being a good person or finding your own way or making your own path, it's not. There is no other way that you can be right before a living God, the living God, a holy God on your own doing and by your own good works. The Bible tells us here in Romans 3.21, he says, but now, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And so people thought that they could be righteous because they were obeying commandments, they were obeying the law. But the Bible tells us that nobody can do that perfectly and be made righteous. So then there was a righteousness that has been revealed to us that comes through Jesus Christ. And it's all about putting your faith in Jesus Christ, that he then clothes you in his righteousness. And you're not made righteous and made right before God because of your doing, but because of Jesus Christ and his doing. Amen? He clothes us and he makes us righteous and it's because of his grace. He has grace upon us. You guys love grace? I love grace. I love that when I've messed up before and my husband turns to me and says, I forgive you, honey. Not because I've earned that forgiveness, but because he's being gracious to me. But God, God, God has seen all of our wrongdoings. He's seen the wrongdoings in, in our heart, in our mind, the thoughts and the attitudes. He's seen it all, our actions. And he has extended that grace to us. So today, if you think in 2015, you're just going to get right, you're going to be a better person on your own, you got it all wrong. Humble yourself before God this morning and say, Jesus, I need you. I want the righteousness that you offer. And let me tell you, he gives you life and life to the fullest. Amen. So this morning, and we're going to pray, we're going to have my sister Lily and Rudy up here. And if you want Jesus Christ, you're saying, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I want you to come up here and they're going to pray with you and they're going to get you connected to do discipleship. It's mentoring. It's somebody walking with you to to live like Jesus. Amen. And we're going to pray now. Father, we just thank you so much for your grace. We thank you that you make us righteous, dear God, that you've made a way for us, and we don't have to figure it out on our own. So I pray that if anyone is lost this morning, Father, that they would find the way, Jesus Christ. They would would humble themselves before you and say, Lord, I need you. In Jesus' name, and Father, we pray for disciples to arise in 2015, for faithful disciples who would lay down their life, not about make it about themselves, but make it all about you and your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Please stand to your feet with me. We want to recite our confession of faith. And once again, if that's you and you want prayer while we do our fellowship, I want you to come up here and talk to Rudy and Lily. And so our confession of faith is something we declare every Sunday morning. These statements are our biblical worldview. This is what we stand on. This is how we see life through these statements. So I want you to confess and I want you to put a little umph into it, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the presence
perfect holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody praise them one more time. Why don't you greet your neighbor, make a new friend. Amen, amen. If you're excited to be here this morning, make some noise. It's so good to see you. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We are honored that you chose our church to join in in worshiping the Lord this morning. Welcome. If this is your first time here, our ushers will give you a brochure. If you did not receive one at the door, you can fill out the bottom part so we can connect with you throughout the week. You could put it in the drop box on your way out. 
Again, thank you for joining us for service. Our two main services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. That's for 11 to 18-year-olds. That's our uh, service for all of our teenagers. So if you know anybody within that age group, please let them know about that and bring them on by, whether it's a neighbor, a relative, whatever it is. They have such a great time in the Lord. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Say it with me. Loving God and loving people. That is our vision. And we want to do that with all of our heart. We want to do it together, okay? Uh, when Bethany was little, my oldest daughter, she would always tell uh, my husband and I that she wants to do it togethers. So we want to do it togethers, okay? We want to love God and love people togethers with you. Uh, our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. And the way we connect you to the cross, connect you to Jesus, connect you to our church is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. If you could turn your hand out to the back, our schedule for the next quarter is there for you. Times, dates, locations, the type of life group that it is. And we like to give you a snapshot of the week every Sunday. So this is what we have um, happening, coming your way. So there's so much fun, so much that you can do to participate in so that you could see what's going on. So uh, as they switch that slide over for me, we will find out that today our single men are meeting. On the count of three, let's get a hoorah. One, two, three. Oh, man, Ish, where are you? Where is Ish? We need help. One, two, three. Okay, they're, they're going to get a little work done on them today. So it's good that they're meeting. But we are excited about our single men raising up to uh, just be, um, you know, leaders in the society. So they're meeting today, 3 p.m. Wednesdays, King's Kids, every week is for our children. Life group for them, infant to 11 years old, starts at 6.30. You could pick them up at 8. If you want to stay, you can. If you want that free uh, hour and a half to do what you have to do, you can feel free to leave them and then come back for them. Then this Thursday, we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group. Come on, they know how to make some noise for that one. 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at the church. Then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house, one at the Walker's house, both 18 years and up, both 7 p.m., and both have child care. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism, all ages welcome, 5 p.m. every Saturday, meet at the church, and go out and share your faith on the streets. And I want to encourage you guys, if you have not done so yet, since you've been living for the Lord, to do it. Try it. Go out there. Practice preaching your faith, preaching about your faith, sharing the gospel with others. It will really encourage you and set you on fire, and it will teach you, you know, what's out there, what people are thinking, and it will draw you closer to Jesus and make you prepared for their answers. Because how many of you guys know we're living in a day and age where we have to know how to defend our faith? We need answers for people, and we know that the answer is Jesus. Amen? So lots to look forward to for the for the life groups, and we want to mentor you. So we have leaders ready to take you through the 101 one-on-one, -on -one, which is welcome to your new life. Then we have a 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, which is our leadership training class where we teach you how to be a leader and make disciples. Then we want to send you out to tell the world about Jesus. And then we want, um, for our goal, is 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and then 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen this morning. Uh, right now, we're going to go through our Disciples Giving book. Our lessons for the whole year on tithing and offering will be found through this book. And you could turn with me in your phones to the uh, www.disciplesbook.org, uh, and it will take you directly to the spot 
in our website. MPIChurch.org is the website. But if you go to givingbook.org, it'll take you right there. We are on section one, lessons on tithing, and we will be reviewing um, lesson two today. In your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. We will be reading those four verses. The title of lesson two is the tithe was revealed before the law of Moses to Abraham. And our definition for tithe for this whole section is the tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. So we understand what the tithe is. It's 10% and we must do it faithfully before the Lord. And we're going to learn how it all came about from the Old Testament all throughout this section of the tithe. We're going to learn how it's been been a principle applied to the people of God. Are you guys with me in Genesis chapter 14? Say amen. Say I'm there. Come on. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Somebody say everything. Here are the main points from that passage that we can apply to our life. Number one, the tithe is a spiritual principle. Somebody say a principle, not just a law. Before God gave the law of the tithe to Moses, who comes after Abraham, if you did not know, the principle was known spiritually by God's people because of Abraham's interaction with Melchizedek, which we find in Genesis 14. So it's a principle. It's not just a law um, that we have to obey and follow, but it's a principle of the heart because God wants to do it with a cheerful heart, and he wants to, to do it out of relationship with him. Number two, spiritual principles never change. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you guys are happy that that God doesn't change? Jesus has not changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from yesterday to today. He is the same. Therefore, spiritual principles like tithing remain the same throughout all stages of time. Here's the summary. Since the tithe was introduced before the law of Moses, it remains after the Old Covenant and into the New Covenant, which is for us today. Here's the application. Number one, be a blessing to your local church like Abraham was a blessing to the priestly king Melchizedek by giving a tenth of everything. How many of you guys want to do that today? Let's be a blessing to the church, the body of Christ, so that we could win people for the Lord. Number two, ask God to bless you and give you success like he did for Abraham. Galatians 3.9, and I want to read that really quickly here. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So Abraham applied faith to the principle of tithing. How many of you guys want to be blessed like Abraham was blessed? I do. I want to be a, uh, blessed like Abraham. If you don't know, uh, Abraham was actually con- oh, considered a prince among the people at that time. He was blessed. He was highly favored. And so we want our faith to line up with that type of an example. Stand up with your feet with me this morning, and let's confess this together. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. 
Amen. At this time, we're going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings, to give our tithes and offerings. And on your envelope, if you could just make it um, very legible for your name and where you want the monies to go to. We want to thank you again for the missions fund that we just closed out in 2014. That fund is closed moving forward. All of our offerings are going to be going towards our building offering. And on the next slide, you're going to see what we are planning on doing with this building fund. How many of you guys excited about raising the monies for this new 15-passenger van? Come on. <laughs> Glory to God. And we want to use this to be a blessing to our community. We use it multiple times a week to bring people to church, going to the west side, picking up the children for the children's program. So many things that God does through this vehicle so that we could be a blessing to so many people. So we want you guys to um, just make that pledge to the Lord for the building fund part of the offering so that we can make this happen in our city. How many of you guys are excited about what God is doing in you, through you, through MPI? And uh, just make it plain on the envelope, the amount of your tithe, uh, anything going towards missions will continue to go there, go there, but the fund is closed for the missions, so all the offerings could be going, uh, moving forward towards the building fund. So just make that plain and clear. Let's recite this together. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your blessings, for your faithfulness. And we, in turn, as your people, will apply this principle of tithing to our life. We will step out in faith and trust you, God. And we will believe that you will take care of our needs because when we take care of your business, you take care of our business. When we put you first, God, and to seek your kingdom and your righteousness, we know that all these other things that we need will come to us because you are a good father. And we just thank you. And I pray that you bless the gift and the giver this morning as we prepare our hearts to give cheerfully. And I pray that you would use it to your glory. Give us wisdom as we uh, proportion it to where it needs to go so we can win Chicago and the nations for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. Come on, if you're ready to love God and love people, make some noise. Come on. Man, it is so funny how docile y'all are. It's like all of a sudden the weather goes below zero, y'all get quiet. Like, did you not notice they were quiet today? Where's my worship leader at? Where's Ishmael? Ishmael, did you notice they were a little quiet today? I know. And then like Nancy, a little quiet with the men and the whoop whoop. Man, I think you all just need to stand up right now. Everybody stand up. Put a little party music on in the background. It's going to get good. It's going to get good. Okay, put, take out whatever you got in your hands. Okay, take out whatever you got in your hands. We're waiting for the party music to come on. We're going to have a little bit of fun before we get to preaching, amen, because I want you all to be up and excited. We're Chicagoans, man. We can take it. This is a heat wave for us today. This, this is a happy day. Okay, there we go. Now, everybody wave your hands in the air. 
and say, Spirit Fingers, come. Now turn to your right, my left, turn like this, this way. And now massage the shoulder of the person in front of you. There you go. Massage their shoulders. Come on. Massage their shoulder. Wake them up this morning. Wake them up this morning. Okay, everybody face me now. Wave those spirit fingers. Say spirit fingers. Jazz hands. Let's do it. Now turn the other way and massage the shoulder. It's okay. This is holy. There's nothing unholy about this. There you go. Tickle. Massage. Now give it up for Jesus. All right, you may be seated. Oh, that felt good. That feel good? All right, open up your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms. We're in a great series called Our Great God. Last week we talked about our great city. Today we're talking about our great vision, Psalms 48. It's all about the church that you're a part of here today. So if you are new to our church and you've been a part of the growth and the baptisms that God's been doing here, this is a perfect service to be a part of in this whole series because we're telling you what makes us tick, what's in our heart, what we're about. And hopefully you'll set your heart on this for 2015 with us because we believe if you partner with the church and their vision and what God is doing, God's going to partner with your vision and what you're doing. How many of you have a vision for your family this year? finances, your job, education. How many want to do something in 2015, right? You want to make it happen. Well, make something happen for the Lord. Do for him what you want him to do for you. Give to him so he can give back to you. Doesn't the Bible teach us that? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what does it say? And all things will be added unto you. This is not a trick for me to get more people to come to church or you for to give more or anything. No, this is the covenant of blessing that we have with God. I was taught this when I was a kid going to another pastor's church. When my parents were part of a church and they taught this to my family. My dad believed it. And my whole life my dad's been a tither. And you know still to this day I am reaping the benefits from my father. If you ever see that Chrysler out there with those rims and shiny rims on that. You know how I got that car? My dad gave me that car. I'm 37 years old and my dad gave me a car. I'm not ashamed of it. Amen. But some people look at my ride and I go, look at Pastor's ride, riding that 300, look at them rims. And I'm like, you don't even know, silly Willie. My dad gave me that. People don't know the story. Look at your neighbor and say, they don't know your story. Can, can my dad help it if he's blessed and want to make it rain? Can he help it? How many of y'all want to bless your kids like that? Give them a new car when they're 37 years old or tell them to get a job. But I have a job. Some of you are like, it's not fair. That's right, favor ain't fair. Favor's not fair. That's why you got to get on God's good side. Amen? I don't want to be on what God curses. Read Deuteronomy 30 if you don't think God curses. He does, but he says he blesses. And here's the thing about favor. Everybody can be his favorite. Amen? So, yeah, favor ain't fair. He ain't doing it for everybody, but he'll do it for anybody who favors his cause, anybody who loves him. And I'm not trying to say material blessings make or break you. I'm just saying they help, don't they? It helps to have a car that runs in the winter, or it helps to have nice shoes when you're catching the bus and a nice jacket. Amen? You start with wherever you're at. Somebody might be like, what about all them poor people? in Ethiopia. Well, somebody got to plant some corn and eat something. I'm praying for them to have the best corn. Amen. And some of y'all ain't even been to a third world country. I've been to India and guess what they're believing God for? Blessing, prosperity for him to take care of them. They're not sitting in India going, oh, we're just broke, busted, and disgusted. We might as well stay like this. No, they're believing God. Lord, when I sow the rice, God, give me more rice. It was literally there. 
I was in the villages, you see the rice fields, and I'm saying, God, bless the rice fields as they sow, let them prosper. Amen? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Look at Psalms 48, verse 1 through 2. If you got plans for 2015, say, my great God will make my great plans come to pass for his great will. Amen. It is all about God's great plans, all about God's great plans for your life. Now, I'm not saying everything you're on is what God is on, okay? So, you know, you may want to be like a le- next Lady Gaga or you want to be the next Donald Trump. I mean, God may just say, I want you to be at this level, and that's okay. So let's not be greedy. Let's believe God to meet our needs, not our greeds. Amen? So I just want to say that before you all stop buying lottery tickets or whatever. Let's just believe God to meet our needs, not our greeds. Look at Psalms 48, 1 through 2. And, uh, oh, by the way, I got it up here on the notes online as well. Check it out, uh, website and uh, the Facebook page. And so what I did is I kind of, like, chopped this psalm. We read it all last week, so it's in context last week. But today I want to, like, like summarize it so you all get where I'm trying to come with this whole series. Here it is. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. And what? The city of our God, his holy mountain. So that's why we have our name Metro Praise International. Metro is another word for city. Praise is in there. And then international, as you'll see, it's because God's praise is reaching to the ends of the earth. How many believe we need to see more nations saved, not just uh, the gospel preached, not just in America, but around the world, in persecuted places as well? Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise, and the city of our God is holy mountain. Verse 2, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Somebody say God's church is the joy of the whole earth. Thank you. What we learned last week is that Mount Zion is that spiritual metaphoric place that they were looking forward to, and they were believing that that place was going to be the joy of the whole earth, and I believe that's the church today, and one day New Jerusalem is going to come with the church, and I'll show you that in a minute, but it's the joy of the whole earth. So we shouldn't be hearing scandals from the church. We shouldn't hear about pastors stealing money. We shouldn't hear about all the hypocrites of that church. We should be hearing joyful testimonies about what God does to the church, right? So people should be saying, man, I love Metro praise because they pick up people in their van. I love Metro praise because they give school supplies when it's time to get back into school. I love Metro praise because they get free Christmas parties for the kids. I love Metro praise for all of these reasons. They help our teenagers, etc., etc. We should be a joy to the earth. Praise God. Hallelujah. It says, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion. That's that metaphorical name for Jerusalem or the church. There we go. The city of our great king. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Where is the temple of God in the New Testament? Where is it at? Point to where the temple of God is. Some of you all know it's on the inside. Say, I am the temple of God. Can I get some water, please? Like, once I get up here, I don't know if it's so dry. Man, I get my throat dry. It's like hard for a brother up here. Thank you, sir. Within your temple, oh God, we meditate on your what? Does God's love ever fail? Everybody say unfailing love. Thank you. Now look at this part here. Like your name, oh God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. The Bible says we're supposed to make disciples out of how many nations? All the nations. Thank you. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. For this God, verse 14, is our God forever and ever. He will guide even to the end. Everybody say our great God. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Let's look here at the review from last week. The review, we learned that our great God has a great city. The great city of our God is the New Jerusalem, also known as Mount Zion. It's going to be a 1,400-square-foot-mile city that Jesus will reign from when he comes to rule and reign upon this earth. How many believe Jesus is coming back 
And do you believe that he's going to rule and reign? Did you ever wonder where he's going to rule and reign from? Bam, here it is, that great city. Last week I said it was 144 miles. I was off by a little bit. It's actually 1,400 square miles. And I want to show you a picture that somebody made for the scale of what 1,400 miles would look like on our globe. Boom. Now, this city is going to be made out of the most precious jewels and gems, and it covers almost half the United States of America, and it is by a, it's a square, so as much as it is long as it is wide, as it is high. This is the description in the book of Revelation. We uh, went over that last week. You can see it for yourself. Now, what is Metro Praise International saying? Metro Praise, the name, you can stay on that picture, please. Metro Praise International is, by definition, in its name, saying we are that city of praise spiritually right now. We are believing that one day this city of praise will be the praise of all the earth. But until that comes, we, the church, we, God's people, are preparing for this place, and God is with us now. So the Bible says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, so God is with us now. We believe that the church is the dwelling place, the city of God. God is with us now in that way. But one day it will be literal in a new Jerusalem. How many believe in a new Jerusalem? Okay, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 9, and we'll get through the review kind of quickly today. Look with me to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 9. You're going to see that. This awesome city, can I just get a little more mic, please? You're going to see that this awesome city, it's not only prophesied by David in the psalm that we just read, but this, uh, this idea of Mount Zion, this metaphorical place, is talked about by the major prophets. These uh, major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel all describe this place. Now, check this out. When Jesus came, the Old Testament Jewish people thought that it was going to be established through Jesus in his first coming. And we talked about this last week. If Jesus would have came and said, okay, guys, I'm destroying the world, setting up New Jerusalem, how many people would have been in a 1,400-mile square foot city? About a million Jewish people. They would have been like, hey, Bob, hey, Bob, hey, Bob. They would have each probably had their own, like, 1,000-square-foot-mile, like, resort to be on. They would have been all by themselves. But do you know, in this area, they have figured it out. We could comfortably live with 2 to 3 billion people. Did you know that? So this city was meant to hold billions of people comfortably because, like, right now you probably want, like, some spacious mansion with all this ground and all of that and, like, nobody around you. But imagine if your neighbors were godly and they loved Jesus. You wouldn't mind having a mansion next to somebody else's mansion, would you? See, like, today people's mansions are, like, way out by themselves because they don't want you coming nowhere near their mansion. And they build these high fences. But imagine the mansions that God has for his people. It's like my mansions next to your mansion because we're all the family of God. Amen? So that's why it's meant to hold about 2 or 3 billion people. And they thought when Jesus came the first time, like he was going to kill everybody, kill the Romans, rule and reign, and then make new Jerusalem right then and there. But guess what? God had a plan for the whole earth, all the nations. That's why Jesus came the first time, not as a conquering king, but as a suffering servant. In Isaiah what? Where is the Isaiah passage of the suffering servant? 53, thank you. Last week I said 50. I'm so glad I get to correct some of my mistakes from last week. Isaiah 53 says he comes first to die for our sins. Now, is he coming back again? Yes, but as a suffering servant? No, he's coming back as a conquering king. And why did he do that? Why did that little blip of the cross happen to show up? For the redemption of the world. How many are happy the world gets to get saved? 
not just the Jewish nation. And by the way, the Jewish people needed the cross as well. But it's this time after Jesus, uh, Matthew 28, after Jesus resurrected from the dead and he leaves, he says, guys, now you take this message to all the nations and make what? Make disciples. Are you a part of a church that's making disciples today? So you're about populating that city then, aren't you? You're a part of this new Jerusalem even right now. How many believe you're a citizen of that new Jerusalem? Now, of course, we don't believe just because Metro Praise has the coolest name on the block that that doesn't mean other churches are not coming as well. This is not just about a church name. It's about following Jesus Christ. But look at Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 9, as this Old Testament prophet describes what that great city will be like. He says, then this city, everybody say this city. And let me just pause right here because as we went to India to plant some churches over there and they were calling themselves Metro Praise, uh, they began to say to themselves, first of all, how do we even translate into our language, you know? And so like with Spanish, we translated it literally city of praise. So I think it was Ciudad Alabancia. Is that city of praise in Spanish? Come on up here, mon frere. Come on up here, mon hermano, I'm sorry. Oui, oui. No, but uh, say it in, in Espanol, Metro Praise International. Ciudad de Alabanza Internacional. Woo! Amen. So when we went to India, we translated it, you know, city. But some of the people are like, Pastor, we're in villages, okay? Like, that might be cool in Chi-Town where you're like, the metro, here we are. But it's not so cool when I'm, like, living some far-out village over here and people are, like, riding on donkeys and dirt roads and we're meeting in huts and we're calling it a city, you know? But I said, hold on, y'all don't understand the name. This name is not just a city like the kind of city you see in Chicago or New York. This is the city I'm talking about. The city that Jeremiah said, then this city, everybody say this city. See, this is the city of God, the people of God, will bring me renown, joy, and praise and honor before all the nations of the earth, all those that hear of the good things I will do for it. Now, uh, Ishmael, I need you to come up because i got to teach you all the Metro Praise chant. How many like, uh, yes, uh, last week's uh, end of the year giving report where I kind of wrapped it a little bit. Did you all have some fun with that? Okay, like 10 of you with the pity clap. That's all right. I'm going to do it again. I ain't got no shame. Now, I'm going to teach you the Metro Praise chant. This is how we used to answer the phone when we used to have a church phone, okay? Because everybody's like, what's your phone? Our phone is Berto's cell phone, amen? <laughs> So you look at all of our information, it's our cell phone. And my cell phone is still on the church van, and some of y'all church van drivers drive crazy, and I get calls from that. It's so funny. Like, literally, I will be out with my wife, like, at 5 in the evening, and somebody will be calling me, your church van is in front of my house honking, and then all these kids coming up, what's going on? And I'm just, I tried to pretend I never even picked it up in a hang-up, but, um, well, I should say that's what I want to do. No, I'm not. I'm just move right along. Give me that beat. Drop that beat. <laughs> okay, give me a little bit more right here. I got to teach you all the chant. This is actually a part of the message. Metro, praise word, praising his name. Come on. Come on. Put the bass up. Metro, praise we, praising his name. Okay, now listen. We're going to mean it this time, okay? <laughs> we're going to mean it, Jazzy Jeff. We in the Fresh Prince. We doing this. I rap, we rap like we're from the 80s, right? Okay. Now, this is the deal. Now, imagine if you called and we had a church phone and we called and we answered it like, yo, this is Metro Praise. We praise in his name. Come on. Then you would be like, oh, okay, what's up? This is Metro Praise. I need some help. Okay. So we're going to do it. Just turn him up a little bit. Whatever is rattling, don't worry about it. Put him up. And we're going to sing it. We're going to sing it. 
And I, I, where's Chris at? Because I want him to sing it. Metro praise, we praise in his name. Come on. Where's Chris Pittman? I already see the cameras are out. Where are you at? Come on up here. There we go. This is part of the message. You got to grab one of those, Mike. Okay. There we go. Why you act like you don't want to do this? You live for these moments. You got to get that mic up. You know they come up all shy, but these are the same exact people that be like singing around the church. Like, oh, I can't wait to sing, Pastor. Then they come up all shy. Don't be shy now. Okay, give me the bass. Oh, 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 Metro praise, we praise in his name. Come on, say it out what? Metro praise, we praise in his name. Come on, what? Well, when I say Metro, y'all say pray. Say Metro, say your Metro, pray. Well, when I say loving God, y'all say loving people, loving God, loving people, loving God. Metro praise, we're praising his name. Come on, oh, baby. come on, come on. Metro praise, we're praising his name. Come on, oh, yeah. come on. Say Metro praise, we're praising his name. Come on, yeah. come on. Metro praise, we're praising his name. Come on, yeah. One more time, everybody. Metro praise, we praising his name. Come on, one more time. Say Metro praise, we. Come on. Now sing it, baby, one more time. Metro praise, where we praising this name. Come on, Woo! come on. Take me there, baby. Metro praise, where we praising this name. Come on, to the city come in the on. sky. Woo! Let's give it up for Chris and Ishmael. Oh, we brought it back. Somewhere in your mind, there's like no way he can rap again this Sunday. There is no way. That will not happen again. But you don't know. I find ways to bring that up here. Aren't you happy for a church that has fun? And that's the kind of city we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a city that is praising and honoring God among the nations because he's doing good things for it. And people are supposed to be in awe. That's where that word awesome comes from. And they'll tremble. They'll be like, don't mess with them. At the abundant prosperity and peace, I provide for it. So you have to ask yourself, Chicago uh, mayor, everybody in politics needs to ask themselves, if I want God to bless this city, what should they do? Bless God's church, right? The city of God. Every business should say, if I want God to bless my little community here, my business, I should bless God's business. You know that corporations make donations to causes all the time? Why not make donations to the cause of Christ? You know that that's why tax exemption exists was for churches? Of course, now it can exist for puppies that get rescued off the street, and that's awesome, but how many think people are worth more than puppies? That's why it existed, so non-for-profit Christian organizations could get some help. Everybody say, come on. Okay, now let's talk today's message. Look at your neighbor and say, I was just the introduction. It was an awesome introduction, but it was just the introduction. Mark 10, turn with me in your Bibles, Mark 10, because today we're talking about our great vision. The city of God was last week's message, and the city of God has a vision, so we need to know the vision for this city. What is our mission statement? What is our theme? I think there's no better place to find a mission statement or theme from the, but from the words of Jesus. Look at this famous passage, Mark 10, 28 through 31. Jesus um, is being asked a question here. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. See, when they debated with Jesus, he always had good answers. Let's pray for um, 
Pastor Jared and Pastor Berto, who are going to be interviewed by one of the college students of a local university today to give answers about the Christian faith. Amen. Pastor Jared, Pastor Berto, Lord be with you as you give answers to a secular a radio station about our faith. So Jesus was debating, and these guys noticed he had good answers to everything they brought before him. And then this teacher asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So that's the first one. And then he said the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. These are the two greatest commandments that God has given us. Now let me give you guys some terms as we get into the vision of Metro Praise International. When we talk about the word vision, what we mean is that central theme or focus of the church. In the business world, they use mission statements. Does uh, anybody's business here have a mission statement? Um, does anybody, let's, okay, we're really tired. I get, okay, let's start again. Does anybody work here? Okay, do, wherever y'all work, okay, the ones that work, do y'all have a mission statement? Does your business corporation have a mission statement? Do they believe in something? Do they train you to do something? Can I get a what, what? Okay, if you have that, you are part of a good company. If not, you can help your company, by the way. I'm being serious. If your company does not have a mission statement, you can go to them and go, uh, boss, none of us know why we're doing what we're doing here. Can we write a mission statement? How many know if you came to most of your bosses and did that, he would slap you upside the head with the, with the, with the packet and go, dummy, this is where you got trained in your employee packet, right? Because they are there, but most people don't even know it, do they? That's the truth. And the sad thing is most people don't know what a church's vision is. What are we here to do, to make the pastor feel good? We're going to say amen when he preaches? Or are we here just to have a choir or do whatever? Literally, I'm telling you, I talk to people all the time, even pastors. And I go, what is your vision? What is your mission? Why are you here? And uh, most of them don't even have it. And those who have it, they have it just on the wall somewhere and they don't really apply it. But if you've come to this church, how many have heard our vision every week you've been here? Every week since the doors of this church have been open, we have always said our vision. Loving God and loving people. Why? Because we want to have a focus. We want to have a purpose. We want to make something the greatest. And as my dad used to say, if everything is important, then nothing is important. Do you understand that? If you're in a hurry to do everything, you'll really accomplish nothing. And if everything in your life is important, then really nothing is important. You have to make values. You have to set worth to those values. Your children are more important than any other person on this planet, right? Being in your family, you have to set those values. You have to treat things differently. Well, when you come to a business or you come to a, a church, there needs to be something that we set above everything else, and then that acts as a filter because it filters everything we do. So look at your water faucet. Water goes through that filter to get to you. The vision is what filters what any corporation or good business would do. Anybody ever hear of Apple computers? Anybody hear of them? How many think they're pretty successful? They know what they're doing. You know they have a mission statement. Apple is committed to bringing the best personal computing experience to students, educators, creative professionals, and consumers around the world through its innovative hardware, software, and internet offerings. How many think, whether or not you like Apple or you, know, or you don't, but how many think they've been good at keeping their mission statement? Are they innovative? Do they come up with good quality things, iTunes, you know, uh, Apple phones, Apple computers? Like, once again, you may like something better than them, but have they stuck with their vision? Have they stuck with it? Is Apple making pizzas today? Is Apple like, hey, man, we're doing something new. We're going for pizzas now. Come get Apple pizzas. 
No, they're sticking with what's most important to them. Now, do they like pizzas? I'm sure they like pizzas, but pizzas are not why they're in business. Have they gone into making cars? Are they competing with BMW and Volkswagen and Chevy? Are they making cars? No. And then vice versa. Do you think Chevy's vision statement is to make awesome computers? Do you think Chevy Cars is going, I want to make an awesome computer today? We have Ishmael. He works for uh, one of uh, the construction companies. What's your construction company? CL Coding. Are they saying we're going to make great computers today? No, that's not their vision, but they are going to say we're going to make workplaces safe, remove chemicals from buildings, and make sure that people are building buildings. They're going to keep it safe. See, every business needs to have a focus. Well, let's go to the church. Is the church's focus just to sit around and just tell stories? Is the church's focus just to make old people happy so they have something to do on Sunday? No, the church's focus is to love God and people. Now, how do we know that? Well, because God speaks through his prophets and gives us visions and gives us guidance. That's why we have biblical people speaking on behalf of God. So when you look at, just go to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. When you look at the Bible, these guys are speaking because they had a vision from God. Now, the vision they were getting was literally a divine revelation to tell them what to do. Now, look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, and imagine if you were around during this Old Testament prophet's time, and you said, I don't want to do what you're doing, I want to do what I'm doing. Do you think that would be a good idea? Like, do you think you could go to Apple today and go, you know what, I don't want to make computers like you, I want to make uh, pizzas like Pizza Hut. What do you think they would say? They would say, hit the road, wouldn't they? But isn't that a lot of times what people try to do in the church? They try to bring their own agenda to God and say, God, do this. God, do that. Instead of coming to God saying, God, what is your vision? God, what is your purpose? I'll do that. See, we need to come to God going, I'll do what you do, not what I want to do. Can I hear an amen? Just look at Ezekiel. Thank you. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. Here's an idea of what a prophet would get to give his vision. In my 13th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles in the Kabar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. So he had visions of God and then he wrote about it. Now, if you wanted to have an argument about this and say, well, you didn't see this. You were supposed to see the Bhagavad Gita, or I mean, or rather, you were supposed to see Brahma, and you were supposed to see Krishna and these other things taught about in the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu religion, then Ezekiel would say, that's not what I saw. I didn't see pagan deities. I saw my God, the God Yahweh, and then these are the instructions I was given. And so if someone comes into our church and says, I don't see this God, I see that God, we can't say our church is about that. I heard one time a, a church let a mosque begin to, uh, a Muslims begin to pray in their church. I love Muslims, but you can't pray in this church to your God because our God and your God are not the same God. Now, some of you may say, well, that doesn't sound right in my society. Well, the problem is your society is going to hell, and you don't understand that. And you don't have enough courage to stand up, amen? And so you think saying everybody's the same is a good thing. Actually, it's a lie, and it's not the truth. I would rather you stand up for the truth and people not like you than for you to tell a lie and people love you. Are you guys listening to me? So you could say, hey, I met Joe, and Joe is five foot three. He weighs 300 pounds, and he looks like he came from India or something. And they would say, you haven't met Pastor Joe because Pastor Joe's six foot one, et cetera, et cetera. So people could say they know me, but if they don't know the real me, they're telling lies. Are you listening? And isn't it the same thing about God? If you say, I know God, but you don't know the God of the Bible, the God you're talking about ain't the right one. Now, you may say, prove it, and that's another discussion, another sermon, and we've done that. But here I want to be very clear with you. There is one God. He speaks to his people through what? 
visions. And the prophets get those visions and then write them down. And then people get like really smart sometimes. They think about it really hard to come up with the best argument against the Bible they can think of. And they say, well, people wrote the Bible, not God. And then you just want to like, you know, go like this and go, do you believe a math book? You know, two plus two is four. Is that still right? Even though a man wrote it down. Do you believe in the laws of gravity, even though a man wrote it down? Do you believe in do you believe in marriage even though your wife is a human? You know what I'm saying? So do 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 humans do humans stop things from being true? No, humans can tell lies, but just because a human has said a truth doesn't mean that it's no longer true. And so if there are universal truths like mathematics and morality and these different scientific laws, don't you think there would be a truth about the God who made all those laws? What do you think is more important, the law of gravity or the law of loving God and people? What do you think is more important? What do you think is going to matter when you get to heaven? You may not understand anything about gravity, but if you understand God, you get in. Now, of course, how many are happy we understand the laws of gravity? Have you ever been on an airplane? How many are glad for centrifugal force and aerodynamics and all those wonderful things? Amen. Now go back with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Uh, go forward with me, rather, Acts 2, 17. It is good to know the truth, is it not? And just remember, uh, knowing the truth will set you free. When you believe it, it will set you free. It will. When you believe it, it will set you free. You will understand why God meant that to be true. Acts 2, verse 17. And the New Testament reiterates the same principle of the Old Testament. So here is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. He is now going to reference this Old Testament Joel and talk about what how, how God's going to speak to his people. He says, in the last days, how many believe you all in the last days? If 2,000 years ago he said the last days, how many believe we're in the last minute of the last hour of the last day? Jesus is coming. is coming quickly. It says, I, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. I started this when I was kind of young, didn't I? I didn't have as many gray hairs, but I saw a vision, did I not? How many young people have some visions? It doesn't only just mean here for godly vision, though I believe that's the direct context, but you can have visions in life. How many single men had a vision to get married and now you're married? How many men had a dream of then having children? Any men in here had some dreams? How about having a job, graduating college? Anybody have a dream to do that? A vision. He says old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions, and of course it can be vice versa. And how many ladies do I got in the house? Make some noise. Because it's not just them, it's uh, men, it's sons and daughters. And it says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now go back to the, uh, the, the notes, please. Tying it all together, what is a vision? A vision is that overall theme that God gives to direct his people. It came through divine revelation in both the Old and New Testament. In the business world, it's called a mission statement. And now today, churches have been given one. And is it by pastors? Have I come up with our vision? Who gave us the vision of the church? Jesus. When he walked the earth, he said, hey, guys, I got something to tell you. This is the most important things you need to remember, loving God and loving people. So I trust his vision for the church. That's why we say our vision is loving God and loving people. Now, how many want to learn about those things? Do you? You want to learn about that? But before you do, let me tell you the importance. Proverbs 29, 18, it's in the notes. You don't have to turn there, is of having this vision. Because if we were to lose this vision, look at what would happen. And then think about some of the churches maybe you know of what's going on in churches in our city and nation. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, 
or vision or divine guidance. That, that revelation word means vision or divine guidance, same thing. Where there is no vision or divine guidance, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom's instruction. So why today is homosexuality being promoted in the church? Because people have lost the vision. Why is abortion being taught by some churches? Because they've lost the vision. Why aren't people talking about heaven and hell? Because people have lost the vision. They are now taking off restraint and they're not listening to wisdom's instructions. Why are some churches teaching you that evolution is how we got here instead of God saying it, big bang, bam, it happened? Why are we not teaching creation like our two friends just went to the Creation Museum in Kentucky, correct? Let's give it up for them for taking a family vacation to a creation museum. Well, that's not science. That's not science. Here's the whole thing. Science simply means knowledge. I would ask you to study it for yourself, my friends. We are creations of God, not products of random chance and mutation over time. God did not allow us to go through the goo, through the zoo, to you. God created you special in his image. And I'll tell you this right here. Until they can create life from non-life, I don't think they have any validity, okay? Now, there are some things they can point to that can show us that there is change and variation. But they can never show non-living things becoming living things or from one species becoming another species. It's all just variations. Yes, there's a poodle and a rottweiler and a pit bull and yes they have quote unquote evolved but that's not a pit bull becoming a bird and now they're literally trying to tell us where did the dinosaurs go at first at one point they were trying to tell us they became extinct from a big bomb uh, I mean an asteroid coming destroying the earth but you know what you want to know the newest thing that wisdom of man is telling us dinosaurs went they turned into birds you don't believe me right now somebody google what happened to the dinosaurs I'm telling you they believe they turned into birds this is what man calls science. And the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And you may say, Pastor, where did the dinosaurs go? The dinosaurs went the way of almost every other extinct animal. There's only about one point, not even one percent, point something percent of all the animals around today that were around 6,000 years ago. They got killed just like everything else. But what do you think an alligator is? An alligator, by any definition, could be considered a dinosaur. By any definition, a rhinoceros, sharks, certain kinds of whales, there are still ancient animals with us that they find that are just as old as dinosaurs. As a matter of fact, they have found dinosaurs. I don't know why I'm preaching all this. This is for you guys coming back from your vacay. But they have found dinosaurs with tissue still on their bones. Listen, friend, that doesn't last 100 million years. They have problems in their theology because it is a belief about God. And their belief is God didn't make it. Man did it. So they set up man in the place of God. But I believe what God said. He created the earth in six days, rested on the seventh, and you are made in his image. And why aren't there certain animals here? Because they went extinct. Okay, that's why. But let's go back to the notes. Without, oh, well, here's the point, though, right? Without vision, looking at that Proverbs 29, 18, do you see how anybody's left to their ways? You, you see, what happens when we take away the purpose of the church and the role of the church, things are going astray. Did you know that the founding of Northwestern was by um, a Methodist? Did you guys know that? Christians founded Northwestern. Anybody here of Northwestern? Northwestern University, right? Look it up. Google it. Look how it was founded. As a matter of fact, put it up there for me today because I'm going to do some other things. Go to uh, Wikipedia because they'll have their, uh, their saying on there. I want you to see it quickly because in Wikipedia, they list their founding. You can go anywhere and find this. But I want you just to see your university. How many think North, Northwestern would be a good university if you wanted to go somewhere, right? You would say, oh, that's a good university. How many think Harvard would be a good university? How many think Harvard would be a good one? How about Princeton? How about Yale? 
You think that would be pretty good? What if I told you they were all started by Christians, founded by Christians, and majority of them were Christian Bible college seminaries? What do you think about that? Now ask yourself this question, how is our culture compared to what it was in those times? Is our teenagers better than it was in the 1800s? Or do you think our teenagers are more well-behaved parents? What about our society? You, you, know, you know they had guns back then too, right? You know they had guns, right? How come nobody walked into a child's school and blew people away then? How come we didn't have a Columbine back then? They had guns. Are you all listening to me? Didn't they all have guns? Why didn't anybody do a Columbine? You know why? Because they had respect and they understood that God had created them. Look quickly to this. Come on, baby. Get some heavy revies right here. I, could, I mean, I could stall for a little bit more. Are you all finding it? Look on your own Google phone as I try to help them right here because I know I'm giving them some new doodiddles to do. But look at Northwestern on Wikipedia. It always comes up first for me. And I'm going to show you YMCA and Salvation Army. Have you guys ever heard of them? Yeah, they're pretty awesome organizations that had some good founding. And now today they're some of the best uh, uh, charitable organizations in the world. We're going to talk about that when it comes to loving people. Look at Northwestern University. Scroll, scroll up to where it says 1851 so we can see the founding. you got to scroll up to the top, please. You're scrolling down. Okay, look at this right here. You see all that? That's Latin. You all want to know what that means, Northwestern? That's a Bible, by the way, and it says os logos, and I'll show you what it means. Go, go down now. Now look what it things. It says, whatever things are true, Philippians 4, 8, the word full of grace and truth. That has logos right there in the middle, Kai, that, that Bible there is John 1, 14. The founding of Northwestern is named and eight other lawyers, businessmen, and Methodist leaders. What was their motto with the lawyers, the businessmen, the pastors? We're pretty smart too, aren't we? We can do some stuff, right? Oh, I don't get an amen on that. That's okay. I just taught you where your university came from, guys. Come on. Oh, oh just scroll up so we can get a full picture of this. Oh, so we're going to found a university. What should be our vision? We have a university to found. We need to teach people stuff. Well, what are we going to teach them? What's going to be our vision? Here's our vision. I, can you scroll up right, right there? Stop. Boom. What is our vision? The word full of grace and truth. Whatever things are true, John 1.14, do you know who that's talking about? He came. Who's the he? He came full of grace and truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This university had a vision to teach the truth by basing it not in what, uh, what uh, um, Darwin said, not what man said, not what smart people even could come up with, but what Jesus said, and then go from there. Go to Harvard real quick for me, please. Anybody would like to go to Harvard? Anybody who has a, anybody here would like to, let's say you could have got into anywhere. Would you like to have gotten in there? Right, you would have, I would have, right? It's, a, it's an important school. Look at it right here. We all look at this. Oh, it's, you know, this is where smart people go. Go down right here. Veritas. Veritas. You know what that word is? Truth. Veritas, truth. Now go, go down, please. Keep going down because it's going to tell you. That is now their abbreviated, abbreviated one. Keep going down. It's just going to say their history and then their founding, um, their, their motto. Go up here to Cologne. Go, keep going down. Keep going down, please. Por favor. Scroll down like you mean it. Okay, stop, stop. Now you just went too far. We'll, we'll figure it out. If I could just, like, do this myself, like, okay, 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 right there, right there. It actually probably looks cool. Okay. Here, yes, here we go. Scroll, scroll. There we go. There we go. Boom. Here we go. 
This was the brochure. Okay, the college was never affiliated with any denomination, but many of its early graduates went to become clergymen and congregation in Unitarian churches. An early brochure published in 1643 described the founding of the college as a response to advance the learning and perpetuate it to prosperity, dreading to leave an illiterate what? Ministry to the... I wish I had somebody that believed that today. Their whole goal was to make sure the church taught you the truth. And as a side issue, that doctors did their job, that lawyers protected our government, that, that, that businessmen could have healthy businesses. Because let me ask you a question. You go to college, right? If you learn in the evolution class, you're a product of an animal that survived by being the fittest, that might was right, and that the, meek are, are the weak are meat for the strong. If you were taught that in evolution class, you think you're going to forget that when you go to your business class? Hello, Enron. Hello, corruption. You think you're going to forget what you were just taught there when you now go to your poli-sci class, political science? Hello, governors in jail. Governors who don't care about us. Hello. Why do they do that? Because they were taught they're just an animal. They were taught the meek or, or meat. They were taught might is right. Hey, if it applies in the science book, it'll apply on the streets, right? It will apply in the businesses. It will apply anywhere you want to go. But that mentality is now destroying our nation, is it not? How many would like to see these universities go back to the very thing that founded them? So somebody say vision. And what happens, and you know, why did I show you that? Yes, it was a little fun to do that. But why did I show you that? Because the Bible says, going back to the notes, that without vision, people cast off restraint and they suffer. Are our universities suffering now? When students go to universities, you know how much more likely they are to get an STD? It's crazy. Sexual transmitted disease. Universities known as party schools. And these are the places that we're supposed to be learning the truth. These are the places that we're supposedly supposed to be learning what our meaning in life is. No, where do we get our meaning in life from? Jesus. So those of you parents here are like, oh, I just want my kids to go to college, go to college. No, 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 you don't just want that. You want your kids to love God, discover their purpose, and then go to college to get educated. Don't go to don't send them to college. I like go to go to UIC, go to here, go get your purpose. No, no, no. Let God give them their purpose. Matter of fact, I want to challenge everybody right now. Turn over your paper, please, and write down your vision for 2015. I want to challenge you for years because I don't want to just disconnect this from your personal life. I, I've shown you how important a vision is for the church, for our country, but I want to ask you right now, would you write down your vision? My wife and I did this at the beginning of the year. Would you write down your vision for your life this year? And some of you may want to cheat and say loving God, loving people, and that's okay. But be more specific. List some goals in that vision. What do you see, young people? Some of you may be retiring this year. My dad said he didn't retire, he refired. He had a goal at retirement. Yes, he's got his second home in Florida. Yes, he's enjoying the warm weather. Yes, he keeps up, pacing up posting up Facebook pits, pictures that make me want to cry. Like just the other day, he's like, hey, I just found this really nice grass field where we can go fly kites in. I don't know if anybody else saw that on my Facebook thing. He's like, Dad, it's like negative 20 right now. The only wind that I want to see right now is the wind stop, you know. Like, but, you know, you guys know how it is. But what is your vision? you got to have a vision. Write it down, 30 more seconds. Come on, think about what you want to see happen this year. What is your vision for your kids? What do you want to see them do? You know, what, what purpose and plan do you have for their life? Because parents, you are to shape their conscience for these 18 years until they turn adulthood. 
So this is the way I say it to my kids. You'll get to choose what you want when you leave this house. But right now, I get to choose what you want, you know? And that's okay. That's a good thing. How many are happy for parenting like that? Somebody, somebody might be like, well, try that when they get teenagers. I will try that. That's why I got a belt right here. I will help my teenager understand that's still the way it's going to be. But we let them pick their socks and clothes every now and then, don't we, Nancy? All I, I can always tell when my children have picked their own clothes because they'll come down with two different pairs of socks, like the most pink outfit they can with the tutu ballerina thing on. Fifteen more seconds. I'm stalling for some of you because I want you to write it down. About vision, people perish. They cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. Okay, let's go back to the notes. Looking at number two, God gave us his great commandments to be the vision of this church. That's why we love God and we love people. I would encourage you to make that the vision of your life as well. Loving God and people will then be what you do everything else from. Like the filter example I was giving. Or if you look at the other example of your foundation. If loving God, loving people is your foundation, you'll do awesome. Has anybody ever heard of In-N-Out Burger? Anybody ever heard of Chick-fil-A? Anybody ever heard of Hobby Lobby? These are Christian businesses that founded themselves on those principles. God can do it in business, can't he? God can do it through you and your family. And loving God, loving people is just our summary of how we say that. Now let me just go into this quickly in closing. Here are the two ways we believe you should love God and love people. How many want to love God and people? Can I hear an amen? All right, here it is. Number one, you're going to worship and obey him. Everybody say worship and obey. Okay, you can look to the notes. I don't want to get you guys lost and turn into a bunch of scriptures, so please follow along right here. Two ways we love God, by worshiping him and obeying him. Looking at John 4.23 in the notes, yet a time is coming. This is Jesus. And he says, has come that the Holy Spirit, uh, and has come where the true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers, thank you, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for these are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So how do we love God? By worshiping him. What is the definition of worship? Spirit and truth. The first way we worship God in spirit is by being born again. You come to Christ as a sinner saying, I know I've sinned, I've messed up, but I need you to change my life and change my heart. Then you ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you with his spirit and to give you the gift of other tongues. And you've heard some of that today in prayer, and we believe that here. Some of you might just think we're going, you know, like some crazy tribal thing. But if you study the Bible, like the most important people, the apostles, they're doing that kind of stuff all throughout the book of Acts. Start in Acts 2, and you'll see it. And our understanding of why tongues is important is because we don't think English is the only language of heaven. The Bible says there's languages of angels and there's languages of men. And the Bible says he gives us heavenly languages. And heavenly languages are spiritual languages that we pray when we know not what to pray with our mind. And when I teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I explain it thoroughly and we do it in our discipleship if you have any questions. But what is interesting is that they did brain scans of people praying in tongues. This was done on Nightline News. They did an intensive research into those like us that are fanatical, spirit-filled people. And they actually turned the, temp, the tone of, the mes, uh, of their, their, um, their news report from being like fantastical or like a, a, a bizarre to being very informative. You can tell that they respected our beliefs very much towards the end. And I'll post it up if you want me to see it, but I include it when I teach it because it's very interesting what happens in the brain when we're talking in tongues. The obvious thing that they thought was happening when we were talking in tongues is we were just babbling. It sounds like babble, right? So that's just babbling. Anybody can do it who hears it. So 
you heard his speaking in tongues. It sounds like blah, 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 blah. So I go blah, 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 blah. But guess what? They put the brain scans, professional neurologists put brain scans on us, and that's not at all what we're doing. It's not at all. It's not using the part of our brain when we either babble or when we talk. It's not using that part of the brain. As a matter of fact, our speech, cognitive areas where our brain forms speech and patterns of speech, is not being used at all. It's actually laying dormant. And then they thought that we might be practicing forms of meditation. But when they had put monks onto the same kind of brain scan, Buddhist monks, and a Christian uh, monastery monks under the same brain scan, they actually didn't see less activity in the brain in those frontal areas of thought and uh, word process. They actually saw more. So the guy who's thinking, I'm clear, is only pretending to be clear because he's going, I'm, I'm clear. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm clear. I'm not thinking about anything. And his brain lights up more than the average brain here. So all of you who are so impressed with meditating, all meditating and is thinking more and more and more about you not thinking. It's proven through this study, by the way. By the way, it's proven. Okay, anyways. But when they put up the person speaking in tongues, and it blessed my soul because if you know me, I come from the South, almost had an all-African-American church, and they got a white pastor, and then they got an African-American lady. But I just love the African-American lady because when the dude was speaking in tongues in the doctor's office, he's just like, blah, 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 blah. He's got the little stuff all over him. But when the African-American mama started getting, she's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. And I was like, yes, that's who I'm with right there. But I was like, thank you, gringo pastor. You did your best. Like, thanks, Steve. You know, thanks, Pastor Steve. But he was cool, too. But no, but they said this woman, when she did that more, it showed up in the brain less. I'm telling you, think I'm kidding. Those of you who have been here have seen it. Nightline, documentary study, neurosurgeons. And they said at the end, they said, well, we don't, because they said, well, this, does this prove that it's a spiritual metaphysical thing? He said, well, we, we have, don't have enough evidence. Science could never prove that. But what we can say is it doesn't come from these parts of the brain that form speech or meditation. Can I hear an amen? Check it out. Facebook me, and I will put it up for you. As a matter of fact, I'll just put it up today. Look on my Facebook. I'll put it there for you. Drop it like it. Rachel, would you come to the keyboard, please? So how do we worship God? By being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. So I believe you're saved by faith, grace alone. That's how you're saved. But how many know that there's more to salvation than just going to heaven? So that's why we worship God, not only, not only with our own words, but with the words of heaven. And since I got some of your attention there right, th right now, would you turn with me quickly to 1 Corinthians 14? Because I just want to show you that Paul did this. Can I, can I show you about Paul? How many think Paul is pretty important to the Bible? Like if he said it, we probably should listen, right? Like he probably knows. Look at Paul. Look at Paul. Go into chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, verse 15. We'll show you what Paul said. 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, and we'll start actually in verse 14. Just so you can see it in the Bible so you don't think, oh, you just made all that up. No, I didn't. Here it is. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Hey. You mean neurologists in the 21st century just proved that? Yep. But see how many know we didn't need a neurologist to prove it. You already were boom shakalaka and you knew it was true, right? Because people are like, oh, I don't believe in miracles. I won't believe it until I see it. Well, then when you see it and you believe it, what happens to the next guy who doesn't believe you, right? Because you go, I don't believe in miracles until I see it. And then like say, you really see it. And then now you go to the next guy. And, and then you go, I saw it. And he goes, well, I won't believe in miracles until I see it. Is God playing that game with humanity? No, God says, believe it because I said it. 
Believe it because I said it. You don't have to believe it just because you see it. How many know gravity was here before Sir Isaac Newton never discovered it and wrote about it? It was here. We felt it. How many know wind patterns were here before we ever had Doppler radar? Just because we now discover it and discuss it doesn't mean that it's any more true. Here the Bible says, for I pray in a tongue. My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Thank you, neurologist, to show us that's exactly what happens. So what shall I do? Okay, what are you going to do, Paul? I'll pray with my spirit, bah, 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 and I will also pray with my understanding. My understanding. Thank you, Jesus, for today. You are awesome. I will sing with my spirit. Did we hear some brothers singing in the spirit today? Bah, 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 nah, 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 nah. This is not my tongue, by the way. I'm just, just doing this to be funny by any, as much as I can. And whenever I try to be funny, I'm never funny. That's the way it works. But I will also sing with my understanding. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Right? There you go. That's Paul. How else do we love God? We love him by keeping his commands. Going back to the notes, just like I said, we could save some time here. Going back to the notes. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. If you look at the whole New Testament, there's about 100 commands given by Jesus and the apostles. You could probably put them in about five categories. There's those moral commands, don't steal, don't lie, don't kill, things like that. Then there's discipleship commands, like things you're supposed to do. Pray, read your Bible, help the poor, make disciples of other disciples, right? There's those things you do as a Christian. There's commands for the church. The Bible's, you know, pretty focused on the church, isn't it? So it tells us what to do, elders and deacons and how to preach and teach and do those things. And then it gives us social order. How many are glad there's Ten Commandments on our courtroom still? Because that kind of helps out with society, doesn't it? It really does. That's good stuff. teaches us how to live in the world. There's justice in the world. That comes from God. And then doctrinal commands. We're actually commanded to believe certain things like believe in the Trinity. Believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Believe it. Those are those commands. When you want to now love God, here it is in summary, you should be able to worship him with your spirit and then the truth is obeying those commands that he's told you to do. So I'm not just born again speaking in tongues and not obeying God. I'm worshiping in spirit and in truth. My lifestyle gives God honor. And guess what? Has anybody ever sinned since being a Christian? Has anybody ever sinned? Do you know that there's a command to repent when you sin? Isn't that awesome? And it doesn't come with interest. It doesn't come with like a penalty. Praise God. Whenever you sin and you repent, you're forgiven and made as if you did not sin. Because the Bible says then he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. How are we going to love people? Let me give you two ways to love people. Number one, we're going to help them in their times of need. The Good Samaritan talks about, or, or Jesus told us the Good Samaritan, which, which teaches us to help people that are different than us. Did you know that the main concept of the Good Samaritan wasn't just helping people, it was racism? Did you guys know that? How many knew that the Good Samaritan dealt with racism? Like four of you. Let me help the rest of you guys. Pay attention here. How many believe racism is still a problem in America? Right? It was all about racism. If you were a Jewish person, you would have understood it because guess what? Samaritans to you aren't good. See? Jesus was talking to Jewish people. And who's the star of the show? A good so what would that be to somebody living in the deep south, not liking all them black people? That would be, that would be the good black person. Let me tell you, Bubba, about the story. Imagine Jesus coming to that white southern church. And I've been in the south, and I understand racism. And some of my African-American pastors were served out of the side of buildings because they couldn't go into the front, okay? So I have a little bit of experience. 
Imagine Jesus going down there and saying, Bubba, Leroy, let me tell you a story. And it's going to be about Malcolm. And Malcolm's the hero of the story. And guess what, Bubba? You're the idiot of the story. You're the bad one. You're the, you're the one that everybody hates. That's Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. He says, come here, Jewish people, let me tell you about this. Your priest didn't help him. Your Levites, your high society people did not help him. The man hurt was a Jew, by the way. All your folk didn't help him. You know who helped him? A Samaritan, one of them kind of people. And what Samaritans were were half Jew and half pagan, and the Jewish people hated them, called them dogs. And Jesus says, that's the hero. He comes and picks up your Jewish brother, puts him on his horse, takes him to a hotel, a place where he could get healed, gave him his money, and said, I'll come back to help him. Now, you go do like that. Jewish person, you go be like a Samaritan now. <laughs> Woo! Come on. You go be like that other race that you don't think is the same as you. They're not only the same, they're better. That's what he was trying to mess with them. Because obviously racism wasn't uh, the same as it is today, but in the heart it's the same. But in the South, I think I made a good example. We've seen all these problems with the policemen. And, of course, I love policemen. And I love, uh, I love all people. But we just got to stop dealing with the racism card, right? Both sides. But the bottom line is the Good Samaritan said racism is dealt with at the cross. If you love people, ask yourself. Amen? Oh, praise God. You guys learned so much today. You learned so much. You know that uh, sometimes you got to love people with tough love. If you're in a marriage relationship... And listen to me, ladies, and your husband hits you and tells you, if you love me, you won't call the police. You tell him he does not really love you, call the police and call us and we'll help you. Amen. Okay, children, if you're in a home where someone touches you or a relative and they say they love you, they are lying to you. You come here, you call the police, you get help. Because sometimes, you know, you'll see it like on our Facebook post. You know, like somebody will get upset with us because we preach the truth to them. And they'll be like, they were supposed to love me. Their vision is loving God and loving people, and they didn't love me. And then, like, you can ask them the story, like, well, what did you do, you know? Well, I tried to get in, like, a teenager. I tried to beat up somebody in the church, and then they told me I couldn't come back anymore. Well, I'm pretty glad they loved you like that, man. I come here glad we love people like that, you know? Oh, and then there's other times where somebody, and you got to be careful what you tell us. Hey, I want everybody to look up at me. Listen, everybody listen to your pastor right now. Wives, you tell me your husband's hit you, I'm going to the police without you if you don't go there. Hey, you better be careful what you tell us here. Children, we're going to get your back because we care more about you than what daddy thinks about you. Because I've had daddies get mad at me when I told on what they were doing at home. Are you listening? How many know we need some more heroes like that today? But I've had some people badmouth me online, and I won't go there with them. But there's some people I wish I could badmouth online because they'll, they'll, they'll talk about us. But you guys don't know the story. Some of these people we've had to put out for some very good, good, good reasons. Are you listening? Because people don't want that to be dealt with. We deal with that here. You don't hurt people. You don't molest people. And all this stuff that people want to do now with drug addiction and all this, they say, well, you know, I just give me some money. No, man, I'm going to give you a program. I'm going to give you Teen Challenge. I'm not going to give you money. I love you too much for that. And then the last thing, preaching the gospel. We love people by helping them. Number two, we love them by preaching the gospel. I have the two links here. Just go to Salvation Army for me, that link, Salvation Army. How many have heard of them? How many now think more about Salvation Army being the Santa Claus people with the red buckets 
than you do about people preaching on the streets going and making disciples. But can I blow your mind right now how these guys started? Do me a favor and go scroll down here a little bit. Go down a little bit more to the history. Do you know that William Booth and his wife founded the Salvation Army to preach the gospel and make disciples and to give people a place to stay? It was all about salvation. Now keep scrolling down for me. Go and scroll down just a little bit. Yeah, and I want you to see they would go to the pubs. They would go to the worldly places. And they would make other disciples. And here's what their mission was. The advancement of the Christian religion, of education, the relief of poverty, and other charitable objects beneficial to society or community or the community of mankind as a whole. How many think we need another Salvation Army? How many think that we need to go back to helping the poor, helping the hurting, and also preaching the gospel? I don't have time to get into the YMCA, but I want to show this picture. I'm going to ask that... Uh, Cynthia, check your Facebook right now. Band, would you come in closing? I want you to see, uh, and, I'm, and by the way, I'm not saying that the Salvation Army still holds to that belief. I don't think they do in the same way that they used to. So if you're like, well, I don't agree with all the Salvation Army uh, belief, I understand that. I don't, I don't either. Uh, especially the YMCA. But how many know the YMCA today is more famous for that 70s goofy song than it is for being a Christian, uh, Christian outreach? Young men's. Christian Association, making disciples, giving them a place to stay, study about the YMCA. As the band is coming, I'm going to send this link to you, Cynthia, because I want to show um, the congregation this and ask us, can we carry on this tradition and be the next generation of Salvation Armies, the ones that live for God and make a difference? How many believe we need Chicago to be saved? How many believe we need differences on our street and teenagers? Let me ask you this question as I'm uh, getting this to Cynthia Hernandez. If you don't think the gospel is, oh, let me ask like this. If you don't think the gospel is the solution to our problem with teenagers, what is the solution? I just went over some of the things in education. I went over those different things. Do you think education is going to fix our children, our young people, all the violence? What if we taught them to love God and love people? I believe that will make the difference. Cynthia, is your middle name Marlene? When did that happen? How long have you had Marlene as your middle name? I was like scrolling. But all in all, did you just put Marlene up there to be cool? Sorry, Jennifer. Okay, make it even worse. Check out this link and put it up there, please. As she does, I want to ask us this. If you believe with me that loving God, loving people is the answer, how can you do that on your job, in your everyday life? You know that we offer the life groups. You know we're doing the discipleship. You know what we're doing here, but how can you do it? Click on this guy's picture to the right. This was the right-hand man. This was the right-hand man. Go get me a Chicago for Jesus shirt too, please, somebody. This was the right-hand man of the leader of Salvation Army. Does that shirt look familiar to you? Hey, that's in the 1800s with the burly beard before the hipsters had it. Isn't that something? What do you think God wants to do in our generation? These guys believed if they went to the streets and changed the world or went to the streets and preached the gospel, they could change the world. They were the radicals of their time. He's like, y'all wearing suits and ties? I'm wearing Chicago for, I mean, I'm wearing Salvation Army, baby. 
And if you look at it close, it almost looks like it's diamond studded. Does it not look like it's almost, can I get an amen from the woman up here? Should we not diamond stud our Chicago for Jesus shirt? Amen. Come on, can I get Bert Bertsky, the, the man, to hold up this next to that? I just, I just thought this was amazing. Has anybody ever seen the Keanu Reeves post where they call him a vampire because it's a dude in 1800 that looks exactly like him? Anybody ever seen that? I might be on Facebook too much, but I, I saw that. Just go up there and put it right next. Ish, can you move out the way just a little bit? Look at this. What in the world? Look at that. But now put it down. Look at the comparison. No, put it the other way. Right there. Look at that. Just get that. Get that in your spirit, Ricky. Come on, I'm talking to some of my elders right now. Get that in your spirit. These guys were in the 1800s, Jessica. Evangelism team, I know you've been going out there in the winter. They said, we're going to love people. We're going to build shelters. We're going to help the inner city. Anybody ever hear D.L. Moody? Where are the D.L. Moody's of our day? And somebody might be like, Pastor, I'm not called to do that. But you know what D.L. Moody did? He partnered with business people. He partnered with other leaders. It's time for us to make a difference. Can we stand up and give Jesus a hand clap? Come on, it's about Jesus today. We love you, Lord. It's your vision. We're in agreement with the vision of Jesus. Altar workers, quickly, would you come? Thank you guys for your patience. So much to talk about, so little time. So what's the application? The application is simple. Let's love God and love people. Let's do it. Start with your life group. Start with your discipleship. Boom, let's do it. If you need prayer today for anything, can we pray for you to get saved if you're not? Can we pray for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues if you're not? We won't force it on you. We won't make it weird, but we'll teach it to you. And then can you help us love people? Keep bringing them to church. That's a way to go. Bring them to your life groups. Bring them to the outreaches. But whatever you do, do something. Show the love of God in your heart. And 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain faith, hope, and what? Love. But the greatest of these is love. And our vision is loving God, loving people. Father, we thank you that Jesus gave us a vision. And today we're going to live it. Today we're going to live it. Right now, would you love God? Right now in your own words. Before you go, would you love God? Worship Him in spirit and in truth. If there's been things in your life you got to make right, make them right now. Stand in the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Right now, those of you who want to love people, start praying for people in your life. Pray that God will use you on your job, whatever you do, in your family, in your community. Lord, we're going to love people like the way you do. We're going to deal with racism. We're going to deal with injustice. Oh, God, we're going to do what you would do if you were here. Thank you, God, for giving us this chance. I don't curse this city. I bless this city. I believe Chicago's greatest days are still ahead. I believe that you're still raising up leaders. I still believe that there's a mayor that can love us the way you love us. I believe there's a governor that can do that. I believe that there's teachers that can do that, police officers, citizens. I'm believing for Chicago's best days for our universities, for our churches. Help us to love you and love others. In the name of Jesus. Father, I ask now that as we go our separate ways, may this be the vision. 
for our lives. May whatever we do incorporate into this. In your name, in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen and just bless them? Come on. We praise them, amen.